Do you know what you want to do creatively, but you just aren't sure exactly how to do it? Let me explain. Let's say you want to write a book. You have a deep knowing you're a writer. You're just not sure exactly what your topic should be or how to start. Well, today I am literally talking to someone who's going through exactly that. And from our conversation, you'll learn an actionable tool to find your deepest creative purpose and the message you're meant to share. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, and multi-passionate creative. And this show is meant to give you tools to love, trust, and know yourself enough to claim your right to creativity and pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. Today's guest is Patricia Kosalich. She's a life coach, playwright, podcaster, singer, artist, and Lyme disease survivor. She's also a longtime listener of Unleash. Today, Patricia wanted to be coached because she has a dream of writing a book and wanted some advice on how to find her topic in Unleash. She also wanted to delve into tools to find consistency and how to best allocate her energy as a multi-passionate creative. During the podcast, you'll catch me using the tool I discovered and developed in my last coaching session with Caroline Stokes. This tool helps multi-passionate creatives, so we put percentages on each creative passion that the person has to help them best allocate their energy. The percentages add up to 100%, so listen for that. It's a really helpful tool, and I encourage you to start using it in your own life if you have more than one creative passion. From today's chat, you'll learn how to find consistency, even as a person who loves variety, how to find the message you're meant to share, how to get in touch with your spirituality and use it to fuel your creativity, and tips on healing from creative trauma. Now let's jump into my session with Patricia. I want to thank you, first of all, for being here and for being a supporter of the show. I know you've been around. When did you first find Unleash? It may have been a couple of years by now. Yeah. You've been a huge supporter of the show and me. And so I'm really grateful for you. And I'm honored to be able to spend this time supporting you creatively. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And it's great that you offer these coaching sessions. I'm excited to meet you in real time. So this is really cool. I usually like to start these coaching sessions with two things. One, I'd love to know what are the primary things you're working on and what's your goal for this session? Yeah. So coming in, what I think I'd like to focus on is talking about balancing being multi-passionate as a creative and doing it in a way that's aligned and you're on path, you're focusing on what matters, you have priorities. And then at the same time, you're allowing yourself to be your full self and be curious And I recently had a dream that I was going to write a book. Someone told me you're going to write a book and it's going to be your most important work yet. And I went, that's so exciting. And I don't know what it's about. And I've written in the past. I wrote this play, The Great Imitator. It was a documentary theater piece and it was a really beautiful project. And at the same time, it was really challenging. And I had a lot of shame about how dysregulated I was through the process of trying to create it. It was fictionalized memoir. It was a really heavy subject. And I felt a lot of criticism from others about how long it took me and like, why are you taking so long to write it? And I was really sporadic. I pulled a lot of all-nighters. And so one of the things I would like for future projects is to make progress toward being more consistent, healthy, and regulated in the way that I do things and not having it all be last minute all-nighters. And like, sometimes it's joyful to do that. That's a good starting point because I have a lot of things I could throw at you. (laughs) Okay. 
Yeah, totally. And I hear you. I mean, one thing off the bat I want to say is like, do you want to be more consistent or do you like working that way? Is it the shaming words of other people that is driving you to say, I want more consistency and I want to work in this different, more regimented way that's driving you to feel like you want that? Or is it an actual authentic desire from you? There's room for both. So sometimes if I'm inspired, I can pull an all-nighter because I'm so energized and have this idea that I actually enjoy it. And I'm not going to feel bad about that. I don't get it as much anymore, but if there's a creative burst at 2 a.m., then I'm going to ride the creative burst at 2 a.m. And like, that's a gift. Like, it's cool to have that. But I also, for myself, would like to at least try a more structured routine approach because if you rely only on inspiration, then you could have these manic bursts. And that's what I've had is these manic bursts of creativity. And then I've had these ideas that don't get actualized. And I actually, in your last coaching session on the podcast with someone else, there yeah. was some stuff that reminded me of Big Magic with Elizabeth Gilbert. And I'm reading that right now. And it's about ideas being like muses and they'll come to you as the host. And if you don't act on it, it'll leave and go to someone else. So I've had all of these script ideas that then I didn't have the consistency in a writing routine to actually write them. And so I want to make sure that I am bringing the ideas forth as opposed to just fantasizing about them. <laughs> did you happen to listen to the episode I did with Julia Cameron this year? Oh my gosh, that one's queued up next on my listen. Okay. I almost feel bad that we're doing this because I feel like reading her book could cure all the things that you're looking to find help with. No, not really. Like I'm going to still help you. But like that book is going to be huge for you because she literally gives a step-by-step -step guide on how you can write consistently and finish a project in a short period of time. And her number one thing, obviously, as you know, is morning pages. Do you do those already? I do. I've within the last few weeks started doing them, I would say a few times a week. A few years ago, I did them every day. Okay. So I'm going to give you the advice Julia gave me, and that is do them every day. I also am not a consistent person, which is probably why I had a pretty big reaction when you're like, I need to be more consistent because that's something I've gone back and forth on of, do I want to be more consistent because people are telling me consistency is better? Or do I want to be more consistent because I actually want to be more consistent and what does consistency even mean? Like if I'm still doing my work every day, aren't I consistent even if it's not like the exact same work or at the exact same times? So that's where I think you can give yourself a little bit more grace and take the judgment off of it because sometimes the judgment around work of being like, oh, well, I didn't write for three days, so now I'm not a writer is actually what inhibits us from trying to write on the fourth day. So I would love to invite you to release the charges on yourself about what consistency or lack of consistency means. If you do really genuinely from a deep place within yourself want consistency, try to find some joy in consistency. So circling back to what I was going to say, I'm on a 100 day challenge of doing the morning pages every single day. And so every morning I wake up, I meditate. Some mornings I skip meditation, but most I meditate and then I do the morning pages. Now where I'm letting myself off the hook so I can still have like my little bad girl rebel moment because I don't know what drives you with like inconsistency or like staying up at 2 a.m. I have a lot of rebel in me. And so if I like feel like I have to do something, I want to do the exact opposite of it. So what I do to like fuel my little bad girl rebel is like sometimes I let myself only do two pages instead of three. You know, I'm not like so harsh with myself on how it has to look. But having that touchstone has really increased my creativity. And more importantly than anything, it's helped me with anxiety. So I'd love to invite you to try some consistency with that and see what that opens up for you. 
The other thing Julia mentioned, because this whole book she had, this most recent book that we did the interview on, was about writers. It was basically a love letter to writers. And she also recommends setting a writing quota for yourself each day. So she says when she's writing, I can't remember which is which. It's either like a two or three page writing quota. And it depends on whether it's like a play or a movie, which that would be for you if you have all these play ideas, a play or a movie or a book. But she either does a two or a three a day writing quota. And she said, well, you know, it might not sound like that much writing. But if you write two pages a day every day for a month, that's 60 pages. And by anyone's estimation, that's a really good chunk of work. So you could try that and see how it feels. Yeah, I've always resisted the writing quotas, but it could be worth trying. And do you mind if I circle back to the consistency and consistency piece? So we're on the same page about, you know, not naturally being consistent. And I think a lot of advice out there is you have to do the same exact activities every day. And I learned a few years ago that that just wasn't going to work for me and consistency could look a little bit different. So I've allowed myself to say, well, maybe I do these things every week, but I don't have to do them every day. No, so I have certain routines that I allow to be weekly or monthly or bi-monthly or whatever, but not daily because doing the exact same thing every day at the same time, like wouldn't work for me energetically. Right. So some of the advice I got recently that I was struggling with was, oh, in order to make space for this book idea, you should do your morning pages and Qigong and these vocal exercises <laughs> and all of these things every morning. And I went, that would feel good some days, but some days I also just feel behind. Like, I feel like I'm starting my day stressed and behind because I'm trying to do all these morning routines. It's a little much. <laughs> no, I totally get what you're saying. And I think that there's something to that too. From my point of view, I think you should let yourself do the overnights. Like, I don't care. I hate when people say you have to do something because it works for them. This is just a, one perspective. And I think if it feels good to you to have fluidity, then maybe the answer isn't do the same thing every day. Maybe it's do one thing, whatever you want every day to bring you closer to your goal of either writing this play or writing this book, whatever the creative goal is, but not to take this prescription because it sounds like you too are a bit of a rebel and don't like it when somebody like casts their vision on you and doesn't give you any space to be yourself. And I think a big thing is having at least one or two days a week where I get to just go with the flow and not be scheduled because it allows me to recharge to be more scheduled the rest of the week. Totally. Do you know human design at all? Yeah, I'm a manifester. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I feel honored that you're asking my perspective because I'm a projector. So this is a great little moment for me. But you know those arrows on the human design profile? Have you heard of those? No. Okay, so this was really freeing for me. I learned this from Shana and Dana who came on my podcast and talked about human design. They're Day Luna on Instagram. They're really cool. And they did this whole post about the arrows on human design. And basically, if you look at your human design chart, there's four arrows. And two of them, the ones on the left, tell you whether or not you're meant to have a routine every day and to have the same routine every day. And then the other ones on the other side are for manifesting. But let's focus on the routine ones. So my whole life, I beat myself up because I'm like, oh, why can't I just get in a routine? What's wrong with me? I can't believe I have such a hard time with it. And then I looked at those arrows. I'm meant for inconsistency. <laughs> I'm meant to not have a routine. So both my arrows were facing right, which means you're not supposed to have the same routine every day. And you're not supposed to really have routine. You're supposed to wake up and be, like you said, in the flow of life. So there could be a chance that those arrows are also true for you. 
And so my thought is like, why fight yourself? But could you find one thing you could do every day, maybe something different every day that brings you closer to your goal? Yeah, I'm sure that there is something I could do every day. I mean, morning pages, I would consider bringing me closer to the goal. And I could take some time to make a list of other things that would help me move toward the book. And some of it may not even be writing. Well, it sounds like, okay, can we talk about the fact you got a download when you were sleeping? Like, (laughs) I want to go toward that a little bit because I think something has to do with you connecting to your intuition and your spirituality here. You know you're supposed to be writing a book. You got a download in your sleep that you trusted so much that that was one of the main things you told me you wanted to talk about today. But we're talking about productivity, which is like the opposite of spirituality. So I feel like there's something here. Does that feel like it resonates at all with you? Yeah, for sure. Do you have a current spiritual practice? What do you like to do to connect to your intuition and your connection with your spirituality? So it's not as consistent as it has been in past seasons of my life. And part of the gift, I suppose, about how that was able to be given to me while I was sleeping is I do actually, when I remember, (laughs) pray to be given answers while I'm sleeping. So I say, hey, please reveal things to me in dreams. Thanks. And sometimes it works. (laughs) So (laughs) that's pretty cool. I probably feel most spiritually connected to intuition through rest, silence, and artistic expression. So that was an interesting journey for me because I do identify like with an actual religion, with Christianity. But growing up in the church, you know, a lot of the disciplines that are very popular, like going to a group, reading, whatnot, even though I would do them, they're not the things that make me feel closer to God. It's singing, it's writing, it's going to the beach, it's just getting enough sleep, it's doing a silent retreat. So my current life and schedule doesn't include a ton of it. This might be sneaking back too much to the productivity, but something that I've been trying to do is like become more disciplined about how I'm structuring boundaries into my calendar so that Mm. there are cutoffs to then have clean rest to actually just like be with my family or be alone or to paint more or whatever, just so that there's space. Yeah. I mean, that was something I was getting. I feel like you need to sleep more. Like even before you said rest is connected to my spirituality, I thought like she needs to sleep more. And maybe that doesn't mean actual slumber, even just laying down. Like I think giving some credit to the fact that your body actually gets intuitive messages through stillness is something that is so beautiful and something to be honored. That's really cool. And then tell me about, you said painting, you said singing. What can you feel comes through you when you're doing those things that maybe is different than when you're resting? How does that fuel you spiritually, creatively? I always feel like creativity begets creativity. Like how do those modalities fuel you? They make me feel more expansive. And actually rest does too. I think because I am recharged and not feeling tired or stressed, I'll just feel this abundance or lack of limitation. It's like my imagination feels very free and things become much easier. Mm. My first two like prescriptions for you would be more sleep, whatever that means. Maybe that just means laying down. Do you work from home? Are you able to lay down in the middle of the day? 
I work from home. It's pretty flexible. Okay, cool. I would love to see you in the middle of the day, like rather than when you're reaching your limits, just pushing through. I would love to see you lay down. Lay down for 30 minutes and see what comes through you. Even if it's just that you feel better going about the rest of your day, I think that's going to make a huge difference for you. And I don't want you to feel ashamed of that. That's part of where you get your gift. So let rest be this rejuvenating part of the creative process that it is and the part of your spirituality that it is. And then I'd also love to invite you to see if you could once a day do something that puts you in that creative flow state. So whether it's painting, whether it's writing, whether it's singing, it could be the morning pages. Maybe one morning you feel like singing. Maybe one morning you feel like painting. But maybe the consistency can come from every morning or every afternoon or whatever time of day you want could be a different time of day every day. You do something creatively that puts you in that place of ease, that puts you in that place of flow, that allows the messages to come through. And I think just the same way you ask when you're sleeping to get a very clear message, you can ask when you're painting, God, please send me what you want me to write about. Send me the words, like show me the way. Give me a clear voice in my head where I hear what is the path you want me to take. I know I want to write this book. What would you have me write? Yeah, I like that. And I think even just asking those questions brings them to consciousness and allows them to come through more. For sure. I know that's some pretty woo-woo stuff. We can talk more practical. Like, do you actually want to talk about time management and all that? How do you feel about that? Maybe we could talk more about time management. I think something that's been confusing, maybe a little elusive or frustrating. And we, we talked offline about being coaches and coaches yeah. working with coaches. And I'll admit I've gotten a little irritated by it is, oh, you need to be on path. They don't say multi-passionate or multi-creative, whatever, but ultimately that's what they're getting at is you have all these different ideas. You're able to do different things. And so the frustration is it's like this criticism that they think I should be on a path, but then I think I am on path. And like, <laughs> we're not saying what the path is. Like, what? Does that make sense? That's very ambiguous. Oh, no, it totally makes sense. I mean, I get the same critique and same criticism. I think most multi-passionate people do. I mean, we could go through the same way I did with Caroline and gave the percentages. We could go through and like talk about each one and just see what comes up and see if it resonates with you. Do you want to do that? Yeah, yeah. I th really liked what you did with Caroline on that. Cool. Yeah, that just like happened by chance. I've never done that before. I'm like, I need to do that in my own life. It's pretty interesting. Okay, so tell me what your main creative passions are right now. What are the main ones that you're working on? Well, as far as inspiration, it could be the book and writing. And I would actually count coaching as a creative oh, yeah. endeavor. And that one would be more of my livelihood. So there's an essential nature to that in terms of working. And everything else is just for fun. And I like to social dance. I was a Lindy Hop instructor in undergrad. It was super fun. And now I'm learning Latin. That one I actually make time for at the moment, which I'm very proud of. I would take lessons at least once a week and go out social dancing. So that's good. And that one, I don't ever plan for it to be more than a hobby. Mm. Painting also, I just enjoy but don't do regularly at all. And I used to sing a lot. And we had talked offline too about the trauma of certain musical yeah. environments. And that one, I think as, so I was really chronically ill for a while. And because of my physical condition with chronic Lyme disease, I almost had to take a break from singing because of that, because it was too tiring and I didn't have the neurological capacity. 
But now I've noticed that as I'm healthier, when I rest, when I do my vocal exercises for speaking, I'll naturally sing more. So that's something I don't like to put too much pressure on, but I also still want to integrate it into my life more and more. Okay. Something just came up. I want mm-hmm. you to start dating singing. Ooh. <laughs> what does that mean, Lauren? <laughs> I think I want you to start letting singing romance you the way it did when you were younger before that experience got to you and somebody kind of put a damper on your feelings toward it. Even when you talk about it now, there's a little flicker, there's a little joy that I see come up in you that hasn't been put out, but there's still the pain of what happened. And so I want you to maybe even talk to singing, like personify Mm. it. Maybe you do some writing to singing and tell it, you know, I loved you and I felt like I couldn't be with you because I wasn't good enough for you. But I know that we are a match and whatever it is that comes out, I'm like starting to tear up as I talk about it because I've been through it too. And I can just tell that there's still something there between the two of you. And I want to see if you can't rekindle that same passion and joy and find some healing from that situation that happened in the past and find your way back to the pure love. Mm, That's a really cool idea. I won't share the handle of it on here, but I have a super secret singing account. I do. Yeah. I I only let my my sister and literally less than five people follow it. And I just post little things about my relationship with singing. That's amazing. Thank you. I would love to see you if you feel comfortable on the private account, if you just want to write to singing, if you just want to practice singing. I just want you to start redeveloping your relationship. Let it court you. Start redeveloping the trust there because it feels like something you want to put out into the world. Is it something you would want to be doing professionally or is it like something that you feel like is just more of a passion or is it just too hard to say at this point? That's a great question. At this point, I would like to be pretty unattached. Great. It would be really interesting if it ever reemerged and became a bigger part of my life. But I think the trauma around it is just a little bit too much to put that kind of pressure on it. Yeah. And I did start college as a classical voice major. And part of the challenge was that I actually, it's funny now I appreciate classical voice, but at the time I didn't like it. That was just what you were supposed to do. And that was all the university offered. So the idea has come back in of like, Oh, what if I became a singer? But right now I'm so far from that. I haven't been actively training or singing in years. And quite frankly, I used to be so comfortable singing in front of people. And then when I started having health issues, I started having pitch problems and it became too embarrassing because people would expect me to be good. And then I would sing and it was just very underwhelming. And that was very uncomfortable. Oh, love. I'm sorry. That's like really heavy because you also weren't feeling well. And it was a double whammy because then it was the emotional part of it and the judgment. Yeah, there's a lot there. But I was seeing the number 15% when you were bringing it up. So I think, yeah, just starting to contemplate, could we be lovers again? (laughs) Yeah, I like your idea of writing actual letters because so far I haven't actually written letters. I've just talked and sang. Yeah. So I think letters could be cool. I think it could be really cool. And you could even have singing write a letter back to you. Do a correspondence. See what it has to say to you. How is it going to prove to you that it is something you can trust again? Mm Mm-hmm. I like that. It has to earn its keep, you know? (laughs) Can't just get you back without a little effort. 
So you've referenced your illness a lot. Would you share a little bit about what you've been going through and where you're at now with it? Yeah. So the play that I wrote, The Great Imitator, was about Lyme disease. So it's very public. I started to show a lot of symptoms in high school and it took, we think, at least eight years to actually receive a diagnosis. So by the time we had any explanation as to what was happening, I had already been through quite a bit of medical gaslighting and years of invisible illness and then all of the misunderstanding that can come with that. So after I was diagnosed, it was about four to five years of pretty active treatment. And then it was about a year ago that I started to feel really healthy and like I was in remission. So now I'm pretty healthy and able-bodied. Like I no longer identify as being chronically ill, which is really great. It's amazing to go from chronically ill to being really healthy. Like I just did my second Spartan race two and a half weeks ago. Congrats. Thank Badass. you. Thank you. Thank you. So, and that's like part of why I enjoy that so much is the fact that I can. Right. So overall, it's pretty good. I still deal with some things like sensory overload, which is why I wear the tinted glasses. And I just need to be very conscious of rest and not over working myself. It's like nervous system retraining has been really helpful. The main symptoms that I had were I had a headache that lasted 24 seven for about eight years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was insane. People go, you mean like every day? I was like, no, I mean like every minute of every day for eight years. And then I also had really severe chronic pain and chronic fatigue. So my whole body hurt. Things were really achy. I never lost my ability to walk or to leave the house, but it became much harder to do things. And then at one point was sleeping 14 hours a day. Wow. I mean, can you just give yourself some grace for like what you've even overcome, like your physical body has overcome in the past decade and a half? Yeah. From 14 hours a day to like achieving at the high level you are now, like that took some serious gusto <laughs> to put it mm -hmm. lightly. Yeah. Because I feel like you're pretty hard on yourself. You know, it's interesting because I feel like I am and I'm not <laughs> at the same time. I think I was really hard on myself when I was little. And then part of healing from invisible illness was learning to grieve and not find value and worth in activities and recognitions and achievement and to really let go of all of that. And then I'm in this awkward transition. And this is really, it's a liminal space going from learning to be okay with not doing to then getting out into the world and doing again and figuring out how to do it in a healthy, integrated way. And this ties back into consistency, but it's, you know, how much do I do and how much do I not do? And there's sometimes tension or friction of now that I'm not in the pure chronic illness space, trying to go out and there's, I'm coming in contact with hustle culture more again in a different way. And someone else might try to impose their advice on me. And I'll say, no, that's really not going to work for my body or my energy and feel free to counter this, but it's almost like, I feel like I'm maybe too hard on myself or don't hold myself accountable enough because I, for a while I couldn't work. I had to take a medical leave from school. I really wasn't able to do a lot. And so now that I'm trying to do things, it's like, there's this gap of being really developed in some areas and then not developed in certain ways, career-wise or financially, because I wasn't able to for so many years. Does that make sense? Totally. I almost get a feeling like you're trying to make up for a lost time and you're like, oh my God, I have to get all this done. But like the time wasn't lost. So here's the thing also that I ask people when they're trying to figure out like what they want to do or what they want to speak about. I usually ask people, what is your greatest pain from your whole life? 
and what is your greatest joy? And typically the answer for what you're going to talk about or write about or whatever it is, is somewhere in the middle of those two things. So would you be able, and I know that's a huge ass question, (laughs) but would you be able to share what your greatest pain has been and what your greatest joy has been? Yeah, I'll start with the joy just because the answer popped in first, probably creativity more broadly. So just being able to create and it doesn't really matter if it's writing or singing or whatever, but imagination has always been a huge gift. And that was really what helped carry me through when I was really unwell. And as far as the greatest pain, one would be just feeling really misunderstood through that. And are you familiar with the Enneagram? I am. Okay. I thought so. I thought I had heard it on the podcast. So I'm a four wing five. So feeling misunderstood is like a little cliche of a four problem, but it's part of it, part of my story. And then probably the other one would be at one point I felt imprisoned in my body because it couldn't do what I wanted it to. And that was also very painful. But again, why imagination was like the one place I felt free. Mm -hmm. So two things came to me when you were saying that I saw like create your healing or imagine your healing. And I wonder if you could contemplate, could your writing be about healing through imagination, about coming closer to yourself and your healing through creativity and through imagination? Because it sounds like being able to imagine yourself healed and imagine what life could be was a big part of when you felt trapped in your body. Yeah, That's really interesting. And it gave me some ideas I was just jotting down and it relates to some of the ideas. So most of the morning pages when it's not just random jumble of (laughs) whatever. I'm so tired right now. I'm so tired right now. I'm so tired right now. That's how mine always start out. Yeah. (laughs) So like besides the maybe you need sleep too, Lauren. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. No. So when it's a more organized thought, it tends to have more to do with creative expression. And so I have been wondering if that's what the book will be about. And I previously actually a few years ago had a book idea that I'm not sure if I'll end up writing that book or some iteration or evolution of that idea, but it all goes into that creative self-expression genre of healing yourself through creative expression. So it's like, I'm not an art therapist, but it's almost in that. Like, (laughs) But you did it for yourself. That's the thing. Like Melody Beattie and I talked about we're sick of experts. Who cares? Like anyone can get a degree. I want to hear from somebody who's been through it. I want to hear from somebody who's not only been through it, but who's currently working through it and who maybe it's going to be their lifelong journey. The reason why I started thinking about it is I'm like, I'm such a fraud. I don't feel creatively unleashed. Why am I hosting a podcast called Unleash Your Inner Creative? It's because I need it. We actually teach the thing we need the most best. We teach what we most need to learn. And so I think not being like an expert, quote unquote, is actually your greatest asset because you're living it. Who better to talk about it than someone who's lived it and is currently living it? Yes. Yeah. I was like, there's no response to that. Mic drop. (laughs) Keep thinking about those two biggest, you know, points in your life and how they can come together to capture what you most uniquely can talk about. Another great quote is Martin Scorsese says, the most personal is always the most creative. So What is your most personal story that you can tell and how can you share it in the world in a way that will help other people heal? You told me I didn't need to read your full bio, but I did, Patricia. (laughs) And it was great. It wasn't just a bio. It was a story of your life. And that was weaved through all of it. Your healing journey was weaved through every single piece of it. 
And there's so many people who need to heal right now. And healing isn't something you just do. Like, you don't just wake up one day and you're like, I'm healed. (laughs) It's like, you know how long that took you to get to a place where you're in remission. And there's probably so many things you have to continue to do every single day to heal emotionally and physically. So this isn't going anywhere. And the most important thing you can do is endow somebody with the tools to know themselves so that they can heal themselves. Because like we keep going to like gurus to like tell us the way to be, but that's not helpful because we still have to end up doing the work on our own and know what's true for us. Like just the same way we were talking about how should I schedule my day? I don't know really at the end of the day. Like my only goal in this session is to help you know yourself a little bit better so you can answer that question for yourself because you know better than me about you. For sure. I'm thinking if we could go back to the percentages. Yes, let's finish with the percentages. Okay, so we have singing. I do feel 15% for that. The initial one I saw for art was 5%. Does that feel too low? That's what I saw. I think at this stage of my life, that is probably enough. And at a future season, it could increase. Yeah. I feel like someday when I have kids, I would love for that to be like 25%. Like we just like have like painting parties. But at this stage, like that's more than I'm doing now. So, okay, that would be good. And you can also dispute any of these because these are just the flashes that came to me. So I saw 10% for dance. I think you need to have more fun. I want you to enjoy your life as much as I want you to rest. I also want you to have a blast because I think the two things that we overlook to help us with our creativity are those restful moments, which is a vital part of the creative process, and also joy. We just forget that joy exists and we think we can work our way into being brilliant creatives. And yeah, maybe you can sometimes, but like creativity is related to childhood and our inner child. So I want you to have that joy. So the number I saw was 10%. Do you think that's too low, too high? How does it feel? It feels a little high, but it would be interesting to see what that looks like because I do feel my best when I not only go out, but also just having my own dance parties alone at home. Yeah. So that would be cool. Okay, great. I love that. And then we had coaching. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw that at 30%, which I know you said is your livelihood. So maybe that is too low, but that was a number I saw. Okay. Interesting. I feel like it like should be higher, like 45 to 65 at least, you know, because it's like my livelihood. Yeah. I mean, but also this could mean a lot of different things. Like that could mean how much effort you're putting forth on it, right? Like it doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. even have to mean time. Like maybe coaching is super easy for you in comparison to some of these other things. And so you can churn out coaching in a way that takes less of your energetic space than maybe it would take to re-romanticize like your relationship with singing even. I don't know. So you have to like take all these into perspective. These are just like the flashes, intuitive hits I got as you were saying the thing. And then the other one was writing, correct? Mm -hmm. So I saw that as the highest one. I hate to break it to you. (laughs) No, that's okay. What percentage did you see it as? I saw it as 40%. How do these add up? Is this okay? Did it add to 100? I don't even 70, know. 70, 80. Oh my gosh, it is 100%, Lauren. Look, that's why I wasn't at 100% for Caroline. Yeah, this could change tomorrow. You can look at yeah. those percentages and be like, now nah, that like Lauren was full of shit, that doesn't feel right. You can change over time. Just today in this snapshot, I don't know what's happening when this happens, but like the intuitive hit I get when you and I talk based on your energy that you're giving me, that's the number I see. So mull it over, talk about it in your morning pages, see how you feel over the next week, but see if that feels like it could be a good overall creative snapshot of how you spend your time. 
Yeah, no, that's really interesting and helpful. And I'm right there with you about how seasons can change. So it could change tomorrow and I'm totally okay with that, but you have to have a baseline to start with and just see how it feels. So do we have time for a quick follow-up on the writing percentage? Of course, let's do it. Time for Diet Coke break. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I really needed that. Love what you love. Diet Coke. Get runway ready. A chance to win the ultimate shopping experience plus hundreds of prizes curated by Kate Moss. Promo packs in store, 18 plus, T's and C's. Visit coke.co.uk slash break. Okay, so it's really interesting because... I do think I'm pretty intuitive, but I haven't had that strong sense of like, I need to be writing more. That's the thing that feels most natural, but I've gotten these external pieces of feedback that that's the thing you're meant to be doing. Like you got the 40%. I had that dream. I guess it's internal too, but it was like, it felt like a divinely inspired dream. Right. And then I had someone do muscle testing for me, which is maybe getting a little, Oh, I love muscle testing. So I let's think explain what it is, though, because some people might not yeah. know. You t- say your version of it because everybody's got a different version. Like I've done mostly muscle testing when it comes to like, OK, so my chiropractor will give me a couple of vitamins. And she'll be like, is this good for Lauren? And then she'll test it like either like push my arm down or like try to like pull my fingers apart. I know this sounds wild, but it works. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it sounded super woo. Yeah. And I went, this is this, I don't know about this. But then it's crazy because, yeah, they'll either use your fingers or your arm and you put up pressure and you can do it on yourself. But if someone else is doing it on you, they'll push down. There's resistance and you'll be like, this is fine. This is easy. And then it's wild when they say something that apparently isn't aligned for you and like you can't help but let your arm sink down. You can't hold it up. And it's weird. It's so weird. But yeah, it helps you basically test your. I don't know, your intuition, your subconscious, whatever, just to see if something is right for you. And so through that, someone who's really good at it, we were doing this thing on creative expression. And he also said like, oh yeah, writing is the thing you're supposed to be doing. And, and, you know, singing and the voice, all of that was like, meh. I was like, what is this writing thing? (laughs) Because I've always done it so erratically. I was like, well, okay. I mean, if I have ideas, but I literally don't even take the time to write, then I'm not bringing it forth. So I wanted to at least test out if I give myself the space to be disciplined about set writing times throughout the week and then just doing it and having permission to be bad. And then also if I happen to be inspired, then great. I'll write inspired. But if I'm not inspired, it's like, well, at least I'm doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Does it feel too binding for you to say like, I will have three hour long writing sessions each week. Does that feel binding to you? I feel like two to three a week is where I'd want to start. Yeah. Or even one. One would be great. Even doing more than what you're doing now. Like they say the best way to start a habit is by doing it in small increments. Because if you're like, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week and you never go to the gym, it's like that's not going to happen. But if you're like, I want to go to the gym one day a week, that feels so doable. So in this case, writing is your gym. Maybe even just saying once a week, I'm going to write for an hour. And just seeing what happens. The other thing I'll say is you're a person that uses your voice. You know, you have a podcast as well. You sing. You're a great communicator. Sometimes when I feel blocked with writing, I talk instead. So I wonder if while you're getting over this like hump and making writing part of your process, like if you have an iPhone, you have voice memos and you can just talk into your voice memos. And then there's great programs online. There's something called Descript. I don't know if you ever heard of it. But you can transcribe all your writing. You can actually edit it in there. 
and export it as a Word doc. And I think that that might be also a great thing for you to start to look at and just let yourself start free talking about things that feel important to you or anything that comes to your mind and then transcribe it and use that as like a jumping off point to write. That's a cool idea. I did a speech about creativity a couple years back and I was, funnily enough, super blocked. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was driving to podcasting sessions and I would just turn on my voice memos and I would start talking about creativity and then I put all those voice memos together and started slashing through anything that didn't make sense copying and pasting the things that did before you knew it I had like a super long script and then I started bringing it all together with writing but if I hadn't started it with voice because that's the way that makes most sense to me and is most intuitive to me I don't think I would have ever been able to get that speech done however you need to get there is fine it's just find the way that works for you yeah no I like that I'll have to try it Yeah. And I think just committing to something that furthers you in this way is going to be important. So whether it's, you know, I think if you could commit to one hour a week of writing, let's just see what comes out. And it doesn't even have to be one hour in the same period. Like you could split it up even in 15 minute increments if you want. And then also maybe if speaking feels good to you, maybe even at the end of your podcast, you let yourself go for 15 minutes just by yourself and record And transcribe that and see what you can get out of that. And if anything can be lent toward your vision for what this book will be or the next play will be or whatever it is. Yeah. No, and I think stacking is smart too. Like you're already in podcast mode. So then go record a solo. Yeah. Or just do this. Yeah. Well, also, that's another thing. So I think I did see on your website you do solo episodes sometimes. Rarely, though. That's something that I've wanted to do more and just haven't. I want you to do more of them because you're going to start to learn how you feel by doing them. You've done them before, so you know what it's like. You feel very unwell, like 10 minutes and you're like, did anything I said just make sense? Because it's not super normal to just talk to yourself for like 30 minutes to an hour. But that said, when you do them, you find things out about yourself that you didn't realize you were feeling habits you have that you didn't know. And once you get it and edit it down, it's great content for something else. So it could be a jumping off point for a chapter in your book. It could be an essay, something you turn into an essay. It could be a social post. But I want you to start doing more of those solo episodes so that you can start learning more about what your voice is totally by yourself, not relying on an interview, not like jumping off of anything else. It's just your voice on a particular topic could be related to the thing we talked about, like using your imagination to heal, or it could be something completely different. But start doing more of those solo episodes to start to get to know your own voice and also could be something that you end up jumping off of and writing on. Yeah. And that was even part of the intention for the podcast originally, but I haven't been good about keeping up with the solos is it would just be an opportunity to test ideas. Right. What I always say about podcasts, it's like an audio diary. Like we're so lucky to have this platform to remember where we were at this moment. If nothing else, I always say to my boyfriend, I'm like, when I'm older, I'm going to have my like grandkids ask me like, what happened during the pandemic? And I'd be like, honey, go listen to my podcast and don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. <laughs> Get them all they're young. But, you know, like it's an amazing thing. It's something you'll never regret. And so I think definitely doing more of those solo episodes is going to feel good. Do you feel like we hit what you wanted to hit today? Like, I know we didn't fully get into the time management thing. I think the percentages should help you feel more into where you want to allocate your time. And even if you don't agree with the ones that I set, 
look at them and, you know, redo them and do it the way that you want to do it. But I think keeping that in mind will help you plan out your days more and be more intentional about it. And that way you're not going to feel rigid because it's like more of an energetic agreement you have with yourself than like from 2 to 2.30 p.m. I do this, you know. I feel good about that as something to help with the energy, energetic allotment, if you will. Yeah. (laughs) Attention allotment. And also I have tools I think will help me with the time and everything. So this is just good to think about what are the needle movers? What do I focus on creatively? And I feel like I have what I need there. I guess my last lingering question for you, if we have time for it, yeah, let's do it. Would be we had talked about having maybe adverse experiences with outer voices and creativity, but they're just maybe too harsh or too critical. And I'm not really sure exactly what the question would be because I think we're on the same page that like, hey, if it doesn't feel good, and if you know that you respond better to just an encouraging, safe, gentle space to express yourself, then that's really all you need. But I had this opportunity come up recently where I thought, okay, this is reminding me of past experiences. And so I'm curious if this is something that maybe it's an opportunity to handle it differently now that it's circling back around. And do I want to quit or do I want to try approaching it differently? And I'm not really sure, but I'm curious if you're willing to share, because like you've done a lot of different creative disciplines and I imagine worked with different teachers and coaches and directors and all kinds of things. Like, is there anything you would share about your process of like healing after? Yeah, it's a long road. So is the question, how do you heal after you've worked with somebody who has been a creative monster for you? Yeah, like a creative critic, creative monster. Yeah. I think the first thing for me was like calling out that it happened because with this choir director I had in high school, there was like a tremendous amount of gaslighting that it was even happening. We were children, obviously, (laughs) and we would rehearse six hours a day and be yelled at. And if we were off at all, told that we were bad and ostracized and criticized and parents, I guess not all of them, but some of them, because they love the glory, like the choir won a bunch of awards and traveled all over the world. And I mean, anyone would who is working on something six hours a day, right? But they didn't say anything. And it was a very cult-like mentality. So I think the first thing I did was I quit, which was a huge, bold move because I fucking love singing. And so when I was 17, about to go into senior year, I just went up to the choir director and I quit. So that was my first step in like calling out like this happened and this wasn't okay and I'm not going to be a part of it anymore because I don't like singing anymore and that's not cool. So quitting and then coming back to it my own way, I started finding music in other places. I started working with voice teachers that weren't related to that program. I joined a church choir. I did a musical theater workshop in a town that was like an hour from my town. And then truly the thing that healed me most was writing my own music because nobody could tell me that music wasn't for me. They could tell me I don't sound good on that song, but they don't really get to say it because I wrote it. And coming back to music and finding my own voice through the songs that I wrote, that was the ultimate healing for me. And then I think continuing to talk about it, to not be ashamed that that happened and that I didn't feel good enough I mean, I still think that part of why I'm not going as far with my music career is like those thorns are still somewhere in me, you know, like those pain points I felt where it was only a rose before where I got like so stung. It's still something I'm holding within me in that I kind of like I look out for music to hurt me 
instead of like with podcasting, I just expect it to be a great experience. But I'm always looking for opportunities for music to hurt me or for me not to be good enough with it or for it. And so just being conscious of that. And like I told you, I think I need to do what I advised you to do. I need to rebuild my relationship with music and remember the little girl who was singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star before she could even string a sentence together. You know, that's who I'm singing for, not for certainly not for that person that destroyed my love for it when I was a teenager. I'm singing for that little girl who found a piece of herself in the song. So it's still a process. I think I'm realizing as I'm talking to you, like how much I'm still healing from that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And it's interesting because I feel like most creative people have been through some kind of creative trauma like that. And I just wonder, I think, have we all been through that? Oh, yeah. All of us. We're just so sensitive, you know, we're just tender souls and we came into this world to share our hearts. And in doing that, sometimes your heart gets a little wounded and then you have to figure out how to put it back together. But I think talking about it with people too, like it's really helpful to talk about it with you and to share. They say one of the only ways we can get through like trauma or grief is when we meet people who've been through the same thing and share. Yeah. And creativity is so vulnerable. You said we're so sensitive and it's a particularly vulnerable thing. Yeah. It's brave. It takes courage. And so I commend you for continuing your creative process and path and expanding upon it. And I'm excited to see what you write. And I hope I get to hear you sing someday. And I'm just so grateful that you're part of this community and that you continue to go after your heart. So thank you for being here and for being, most importantly, thank you for being you. Who you are is the best thing about you. Aw, you too, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks for listening and thanks to Patricia for letting me coach her. For more info, you can follow her at patricia.kosalich and visit her website, patriciakosalich.com. That's C-O-S-U-L-I-C-H. Thanks to Rachel Fulton for helping edit this episode of Unleashed. You can follow her at Rachel M. Fulton. Thanks to Liz Full for the show C Music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleashed Your Inner Creative and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag the guest so she can share as well. My wish for you this week is that you ask yourself, What has been my biggest pain and joy in my life? And what might be the message that those two experiences are asking me to share? Remember, the most personal is always the most creative. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.